This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here it is, the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's a little rainy around here. It's a little chilly. That's all right. About 12 days from now, we'll be playing some baseball. I think that's right. Yeah, it's a week from Friday. I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Had a chance to take in some scrimmages over the weekend. Uh, We'll have one again today at 3 o'clock. Looking forward to that. It's a big day for us too is uh, the pods are being delivered to True Rest Arkville. Uh, maybe you're familiar with that. We've talked about it all once or twice here on the show. But, uh, yeah, we'll be having a soft ground opening this weekend, kind of a friends and family deal. And uh, should be maybe uh, next Monday. Should be open for business. But, uh, look for some announcements. Go to True Rest Starkville on Facebook, True Rest Float Spa Starkville. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, we'll have some updates there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pod installation week. Everything else is done. The build-out's done. And I can't say enough good things about Tabor Construction, Will and Jetty, and those guys have done such a great job for us. So if you're looking for that, if you're looking to have uh, a build-out done or some work done, look no further than our fine folks at Tabor Construction. That's an unpaid endorsement right there. I cannot say enough about what those guys have done for us. Just so incredibly attentive. We're very, very proud of the place. You see, Steve, where is it located? Well, it's in University Crossing Shopping Center in the old chalet frame shop. That's right behind Starbucks, right next door to Little Caesars. And uh, we're excited, and you should be too. It's a new experience, and uh, we're actually running a special right now, a Valentine's Day special. You can get two floats for 99 bucks. Make it a date night. Can't float together, but you can float at the same time. we got four uh, pod suites set up for you. We're excited about it. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a long endeavor, if you guys recall. It's been a long process. But, uh, you know, here we are. Had a little delay getting some tile in. But uh, here we are. And excited to get going, for sure. And uh, for me, I'll tell you, you know, Dana's an a ultra runner. I don't know how much running she'll get to do these days with running a new business. But um, she discovered this out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, we'd always heard about it, even saw it on Big Bang Theory and said, I want to try that at some point. And she's like, oh, baby, you got to try it. It's amazing. I thought, how good could this be? And I went out there and I floated. And for like 10 minutes after I floated, it was like the whole world just kind of slowed down on me. It took me a minute to kind of get back. I was so calm. I slept better the next couple nights and uh, emailed the company to see what we could do to bring a franchise to Starkville, Mississippi. And now here we are. Floated recently, and my wife asked me afterwards, she goes, how do you feel? I said, like, nothing's important. You got all those things that bothered me before, don't bother me now. 
And so it's nice to get a little bit of a mental reset. We don't take a lot of time for ourselves. We're so overstimulated these days and constantly on our phone and there's all these videos and sometimes they make you happy, sometimes they make you anxious and there's all these critics on social media. There's all these people out there that got so much to say and you know, we're constantly watching Netflix and stuff and, and there's a rare rarity in life when we just have a little peace and quiet. And that's what we're going to give you, True Rest. You can learn more at truerest.com. Be sure and go by and check it out. And again, first True Rest franchise in Mississippi, right here in Starkville. Very, very excited for you guys to experience this and make it part of your regular life. I think once you float once, you'll be like, you know what, I, I get it now. Because I was a skeptic in the beginning. And I became such a true believer, I went and bought a franchise. Yeah. And uh, wanted my friends and family to have an opportunity to experience this. And uh, again, if, if you're chronic pain, you know, if you're a person that uh, struggles with anxiety, and they're even doing some incredible things right now, some studies about addiction, you know, how it helps people in recovery with cravings and things of that nature. So uh, we're excited, sure. So we're about a week away from the grand opening, True Rest Dark Bowl. Uh, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man. I love those guys. I, I, I can always count on Bulldog Burger Company. And I think that's an important testimonial. I always know what I'm going to get. They're so consistent in what they do. It's great food at a great price and a great atmosphere. I never go in there and, and walk away feeling worse than when I went in there. There are a few places in life you can say that about, right? You go in there and you put your feet under their table, and they just take care of you. I like getting waited on. I do. And that's not that I've got some narcissistic quality. Maybe I do, but sometimes you just deserve a night out, a chance to let somebody else do the cooking, let somebody else do the fetching for you, right? And you can just rest and relax and just enjoy a conversation with somebody you like, you love, or you're doing business with. I don't know your needs. But I know this. I know when I leave my house and I head to Bulldog Burger Company, I know exactly what to expect, and that's quality. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Rich and Flowood area. You can have an adult beverage. You can have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, one of the fine delicacies in life we afford ourselves. And maybe you're not feeling like a burger. You can have the wings. You can have the, the sweet heat chicken sandwich. You can have that BLT salad. You know I prefer it grilled. You may like it fried. I'm not judging your dietary habits, but, you know, that's the best thing about Bulldog Burger Company. There's always something on the menu that's going to appeal to me. Go by and check it out and have those spring rolls as your appetizer. It'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, yesterday, man, what a big win for Mississippi State women's basketball. It was such an entertaining game. It was, and that's the thing, too, like, I even turned to Dan and I said, you know, this is kind of how it felt, you know, in those mid-Vic Schaefer years when it felt like we were kind of building towards something kind of special. It's like when we felt like we had a chance to win every game. That's kind of how it feels right now. Sam Purcell and the staff doing a great job. And as you know, in the Southeastern Conference, it is difficult to win on the road in every sport. And this Texas A&M team, not a bad team, not as good as us. They're not a bad team. They're, after yesterday's action, they're 15 and six overall and three and five in the Southeastern Conference. And recent bracketology has the Aggies in the tournament. And I'd say they jumped out to an 11 to two lead. And you thought, oh well, man, tough game for us. The next thing you know, we just kind of calmly go about our business. And you look up, and 
The state's pulled even. Now, after the first quarter play, it's 17 to 12, but it really felt like we had control. They, they made a big basket late. You know, but that second quarter, we kind of figured out some things we needed to do defensively. And you talk about a reversal of fortune, of, of fortune, pardon me. Our ladies have a 19 to 6 quarter. 19 to 6. You talk about turning things around. And it felt like every possession for Texas A&M, that everything because of the fact that we were picking them up so so deep in the in the half court, like we're, we're making them work and grind it out on the perimeter to get into their sets. It's like every time you look up, the crowd is, is counting down the clock, you know, six, five, you know, because we dictated tempo in this ballgame. Picked up some half court pressure. At times we went full court on them and just kind of wore them out. And all of a sudden, you look up at half, and, it, man, it's, it's 31 and 23. That's typically what happens when you have a plus 13 quarter. Great, great effort. It was amazing. Now, A&M comes out in that third period. It kind of gets to us a little bit. They knock down some threes early on. State just kind of treaded some water here. We lose the quarter 17-12, but maintain a lead. And then we get to closing time. And how many times have we talked about this, about the Mississippi State women? When you get in that fourth quarter, whether it's the depth, whether it's strength and conditioning, you better bring a sack lunch against the Lady Bulldogs in the fourth quarter because we're going to be at our best in the fourth quarter. We're going to play relentless defense. We're going to attack you down low. We're going to make our free throws. And so if you're trailing going into the fourth quarter against us, you're in trouble because that's when we are typically at our best. State wins the quarter 31-23 and ultimately the ball game 74-63. There is a toughness and a grit about these ladies. And that was, if you think about the peak years of the Vic Schaefer era, that's what we were known for. We were tough. We get out there and do the little things. We get out on the floor. We fight for loose balls. We don't just concede. And there's some elements of that and some attributes of those teams and this one. And like many of you, I don't know if we ever get back to that level. We're competing consistently for national championships. I don't know that. But I know that we have taken some very positive steps under Sam Purcell's direction. And this is the best team since that final Vic Schaefer team. I think that's fair to say. And it's because of the fact we're not a one- or two-person team or a one-lady one team. You know, it's one of those deals where we're just – we're a team, you never know from one day to the next who's going to step up and be the next hero. And it was Aaron Barnum on Sunday. 22 points, and she makes it look so easy. There'll be times she's driving to the hoop, she goes to the left side, and you think there's nothing there, and she goes up and under, and it's a basket. She is so incredibly polished. And it just seems like in the last few weeks, she's really started getting going a little bit, like she's kind of embraced her role, kind of found out, uh, hey, this is what my team needs from me. And 22 points, she was an amazing 9 of 11 from the floor. And one of the misses is one that, you know, it's kind of rolled around the rim and just didn't go down. And when you're getting that level of proficiency on the offensive end from a player like her, and you, you know what you have with Ja'Kayla Jordan, you know what you have with Jessica Carter. And now you see Depression Post standing up too. But all of a sudden, it's like you have to defend all five spots on the floor 
against the Mississippi State women. Like on the men's side, and we'll talk about them soon, that's not really the case. But you now all of a sudden you start doubling Jessica Carter. Aaron Barnum's like, thank you very much. Okay, we'll just take that. We'll just take that and go make things happen. He had four scores last night or yesterday afternoon in double figures. Jaquela Jordan had 11 points. You know, she didn't have a great game against Kentucky. And there are a lot of people out there that are kind of, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to make somebody beat us besides Jordan. And the good thing is, is we have enough depth and enough offensive skill. We can say, you know what? Hey, we got you. But Jaquela played 35 minutes, 5 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 2 from the beyond the arc, never got to the line, but she pulled down 11 rebounds. We had 34 as a team, and there's your, your shooting guard out there pulling down 11. And that's what happens. When, when you don't have a great night from the field, you've got to find other ways to contribute. And that's the thing that Jordan does for us. You know what you're going to get from her defensively. You know what you're going to get from her on, on the glass. And some nights, she's going to lead you in scoring. But if people choose to take her away from us, she still finds ways to impact the game. It's incredible. Lauren Park Lane, 10 points from her, 30 minutes of action. Many of those points came late in free throws. And that's the thing, too, when you put her in the ballgame late. Number one, she's a facilitator, right? Six assists yesterday, which uh, led the team. But she's also somebody that's so incredibly mature and so mentally tough late in ball games. when you need free throws, you can count on her. And then Jessica Carter didn't fill up the stat column, but I'll tell you what, she got out there and made some things happen, played 37 minutes and you could tell she was fatigued late. She had a couple of fouls where she was tired, got caught reaching a little bit, got a little stumbled into a player, and immediately she's like, hey, my bad. Just two of ten from the floor, four of four from the line, pulled down six rebounds, three fouls, did have five turnovers, and that's when things got a little bit ragged. There were some times we tried to get it down and, uh, you know, deep in the post, and it wasn't there, and rather than force the axe, and Jessica tried to, to pass out, and she struggled at times to do that. So it wasn't a great game for her. But, again, she influences the game just by having some presence there. Just eight points for her. And think about that for a second. If we had told you before the ball game that Ja'Kayla Jordan and Jessica Carter are going to combine for 19 points and that the two of them are going to go 7 of 23 from the field, you'd think we lost the game. But because of the fact that we have depth on this team, we have other people that can step up and make baskets for us, it's okay for one of our or two of our players to have an off night. DeBrescia Poe, one of six beyond the arc. But you know what? There were times out there because of the fact what she did against Kentucky, you know, what she did against LSU. She changes the spacing on the floor because you have to respect the thread of her three-point shot. And again, there's going to be some games where she's going to have huge games and some games where she's not. But we don't need her to go out there and score 20 tonight in order for us to win. Because Darian Rodgers is really coming into her own. Transfer from DePaul, played 30 minutes, and uh, got a ton of action yesterday. And I think this is really a situation of uh, of Sam just kind of going with the hot hand here. DeBrescia just didn't have the shot. Darian did. So we stuck with her. 18 points for her, which is second on the team. Three of eight from beyond the arc. State is four of 13. Uh, Darion with three of those. And then five of seven from the line. She missed a couple free throws late, which is always a surprise. Pulled down five rebounds. And a couple times she pulled them down and went coast to coast and facilitated a transition offense. Miracle Shepard, uh, just three points for her. All this come at the line. But, again, what a terror defensively. 
you know, she's just one of those players. You put her out there in long and lean and as athletic as she is because she knows how to move her feet. She is an absolute terror defending the perimeter. When that point guard brings it down, as soon as she crosses over the timeline, it's like, well, here we go. You know, here it is. Now we're in the, we're now we're in the half court set. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make you eat up about ten seconds of that clock before you guys actually get into your set. Absolutely outstanding. And uh, you know, State had a few other players that played a few minutes, but uh, not a real contribution. Uh, but I, I, and I said that not to be derogatory, but I just felt like this was one of those games you look at. And some nights you have a player or two to carry you, like Jessica Carter did against Kentucky, until we kind of figured it out late. Jessica just kind of willed us along there. This Yesterday was a team win in every aspect. It was very much a team win. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The announced attendance is 4,072. I don't know if it was quite that many, but uh, we did have some Bulldogs in the house. Saw you all on TV. But uh, very impressed with our effort. And uh, from the free throw line, Lady shot right at 76%. In that decisive fourth quarter when they had to foul us for 14 of 18. That's how you close out ball games. When you know they have to foul, you can begin to get some separation when you make those shots. They're trying to, you know, put you at the line and hopefully you'll miss one or two or both. When you go out there and you make 14 of 18, it makes it awfully tough to catch up. You're fouling us, giving us a chance to rest and set our defense. Now, give AM some credit, too. They had four scores and double digits themselves. Uh, India Rogers with uh, 17. And they, they, they said her name so many times, I ought to be able to get it right. But it's Kolobali, I guess. She was really good, too. I, I was really impressed with her athleticism. I thought she did a really good job. Probably ought to run some more offense through her. She had nine rebounds, 13 points. Lauren Ware with 13. Uh, and Tanaya Hilton with 10. But I just felt like even though there were times you look at A&M and said that they look a little more athletic, we, they just didn't play as well as a team as we did. But uh, rebounding, you know, that's just one of those things you look at, you know, we're always going to be in the game because of Jessica Carter, but I, but actually AM out-rebounded us yesterday 39-34, and some of those were on the offensive side of, of, of things. But, um, you know, it's it was an exciting game. I think it's one of those deals you look at and you begin to think, you know what, hey, these are the tournament resume-building type games. You go beat a tournament team on the road. That's big time. Now, your lady is now 19-5, and 6-3 in the Southeastern Conference. When we talk about, again, we're going to talk about the men here. You know what your lady's record is away from home? Away from Humphrey Coliseum. We've played a dozen games. 
and we've won 10 of them. You talk about building a postseason resume, that's what gets it done. We've actually lost more games at home than we have away and on neutral floors. That's crazy. 9-3 at home, 7-2 in true road games, and 3-0 on a neutral floor. Think about that. And one of those losses away was at Chattanooga, right? Nuts, man. Absolutely nuts. All due respect to the Lady Mocks. But again, it's a testament to the character of this team and of this coaching staff. They've won four games in a row. So let's kind of take a look. You know, we always talk about that. You know, we always look at the next four. Oh, you know, Steve, the next game is the most important. That's true. But when you begin to kind of break the season down into kind of two-week increments, you begin to kind of realize, you know, where you've got to make some play here. But uh, what's interesting, I don't know if you guys realize this, man. It's just – it's absolutely nuts when you think about – we played LSU on Monday. Turned around – we beat them. Turned around, went on the road to win on Thursday. Come home, pack a bag, get a shower, get some fresh toothpaste, and then we're on the plane again – to A&M against a winning team that's expected to make the tournament. So, guys, three wins in seven days. You talk about a decisive stretch in your schedule, that's it. To pick up a win over the defending NAFL champions and then back-to-back road wins in the SEC, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. This is one of those decisive stretches. You know, we lost that game against Tennessee and Star One. Everybody was like, you know, it's all falling apart. And what do we do? We win the next four. And that's what good teams do. When you reach a level of adversity, you find out who you are. Now, next time the ladies are going to be in action is going to be Thursday, and we'll preview that game on Wednesday show. But against Georgia, Thursday. That's a 6.30 tip. And then we welcome Florida to the hump on Sunday. So the schedule flips for us after having these road games. Now you get back-to-back home games, and then we go to Ole Miss. And if you're thinking about this, let me just go ahead and tell you, let's plan to go. That's going to be on February the 18th. If you're not at baseball, you need to be at women's basketball. And I know some people would prefer to go to that, and that's okay too. Then you come back and you get Kentucky here. So you start looking at this, and listen, that old that game in Oxford's going to be a barn burner. You better be ready for that one. They're, the Rebels are playing really well. I know Coach Joe probably hadn't made some fans here as of late, but some of her comments on social media, which I think are ridiculous. But uh, the lady can coach in basketball, and they're going to they're going to turn out. They will turn out for that ball game. So if you again, every Bulldog that can make the trip, we encourage you to make the trip. But you start thinking now. With three of the next four at home, you feel like, hey, we ought to be able to go three and one. And really the big game there would be in the Ole Miss game. So could you sweep them? Yeah, you can. You can. But it's going to be probably the most difficult game we've had to date with the exception of South Carolina. I mean, hostile environment. But, again, we're so good on the road. says a lot about Sam Purcell. We're not going to be intimidated by that. And then you finish up with uh, Alabama and Tuscaloosa at Auburn, and then Missouri comes here. So the schedule really, really, really favorable to state down the stretch here. And now you start thinking, you know, how high can we be in the, in the, in the, the bracket? Because I expect us to close out because, again, so many home games down the stretch, and we're playing against really the second half of the league with rare exception. 
Again, that trip to Oxford is going to be huge, absolutely huge. And I think anybody that knows anything about the rivalry is well aware of the fact that, you know, we're going to have to bring our best effort. Absolutely. There was a time there we, you know, we, they could never get both of us. And remember just last year, uh, talking about it's our state, you know, and now here we are uh, really doing a good job right now. And um, kind of look at the weekend that was, for those of you that missed it, uh, Kentucky gave Georgia some trouble, but Georgia protects the home court, 72-65 winners. Tennessee gets Missouri, 80-69. South Carolina destroys Ole Miss, 85-56. But, again, that's not, that's not a barometer. When you look at – I mean, that's not, oh, Ole Miss is terrible. No, South Carolina is doing that just about everybody. LSU, 106-66 to winners. You think Kim Mulkey's a little bit upset? Her team responded. A 40-point win in SEC play, that don't happen very often. And, of course, State on the road wins. And in Arkansas, 74-72 winners over – over Auburn, but, uh, you know, Mississippi State, the long team in the Southeastern Conference to win on the road over the weekend. And, again, just kind of speaks to the challenge of playing on the road in this league. Always interesting. Always, always, always interesting. And uh, if you're looking for some women's basketball action tonight, Alabama's going to be at Vanderbilt. That'll be on the SEC Network. That's a 6 p.m. tip local. But look at the standings right now. I think you're going to be pretty happy with what you hear. Right now, Mississippi State is fourth, or really tied for third. And I guess, based on the tiebreaker, we would be the three seed in the SEC tournament right now. South Carolina, number one, without a doubt, 21-0 overall, ridiculous. The only undefeated team in women's basketball right now. 9-0 in the conference and two games up, at least two games up on everybody. South Carolina on a yes, – they're going to win the SEC and uh, probably going to win it with a lot of room to spare. Tennessee 7-2. and two. And then LSU, State, and Ole Miss all right there at 6-3. and three. State has beaten LSU. State's beaten Ole Miss. So if the tournament started today, which it doesn't, State would be number three. Right now they're all listed alphabetically. But because of the fact State has a tiebreaker, so you'd have the uh, – You'd have the double buy, right? You'd be in good shape and be in a really good position. And right now, you look at it and say, you know what, Mississippi State probably, I don't know what the bracketology is going to show, but you're starting to really trend towards that top 16. You know, maybe you're a four or a five seed. It'll be interesting to see. Got to keep winning some games, but again, the schedule's a little more favorable for us than some of our contemporaries. Again, that game at Ole Miss can be big. It really is. You get beyond that, Arkansas, they're 5-4. and four. Vanderbilt and Alabama, of course, by virtue of not playing yesterday, they're 4-4. Four and four. Only played eight, eight conference games. A&M 3-5, Auburn 3-6. Florida 2-6, Missouri 2-7, Georgia 2-7, and, and Kentucky 2-7. and seven. So, Georgia, your next opponent, tied for last in the league. So, we need you to turn out. Make sure it's a great environment. Let's win that ball game and get ready to get into the rest of this thing. And, guys, it's – again, we don't have much time left. But where we're positioned right now and as favorable as the schedule is, you start to really begin to realize Mississippi State women's basketball is on the uptick. That's not a hot take. 
but it is what it is. Those are things you begin to look at, begin to realize, hey, you know, many of us had thought, well, maybe this is it for a while. And, uh, you know, what a great hire Sam Purcell has proven to be. Let's take a look a little bit deeper in the schedule this week, just because you guys know, and we'll, we'll, we'll spend more time on this on Wednesday show. But again, we start talking about our contemporaries. Arkansas is at Florida. Both those teams are behind us. We will play Florida later in the year. Missouri's at South Carolina. We'll see Missouri later in the year. Tennessee's at Alabama. We'll see Alabama later in the year. I don't know if we can get an upset out of anybody out of here to kind of help us, you know, maybe move up the packing order a little bit. Can we catch Tennessee? I don't know. We would need Alabama to win. I don't know that we can. A&M is at Ole Miss, and that'll be interesting. But, again, Ole Miss has been so good at home. Uh, and A&M a good team. They'll bring a good effort for sure. And then LSU's at Vanderbilt. That game could be intriguing. But I, I don't foresee a lot of shakeup in the standings. I think the standings kind of are who they are. But when you look at the fact that it's us, LSU, Ole Miss right there together, you, you got to root against them. you got to root against them and for Mississippi State. Give us a little bit of separation there. Uh, to help us. But, uh, again, guys, we don't have a lot of time left uh, to enjoy this. So let's not, you know, let's not delay in thinking about, well, I want to bring the kids to a game. Let's start making some plans. Because when you start running this thing down, Georgia, Florida, go to Ole Miss, Kentucky comes here, we go to Tuscaloosa, we go to Auburn, and then we get Missouri. Seven games left. Seven. And four of those seven right here in Starkville, Mississippi. So, advantageous for the Bulldogs. But if you are thinking about bringing your kids, bringing the family, or maybe you put it off and say, well, I wanted to wait and kind of see how we're going to be. I was a fence sitter. I'm a fair weather fan. That's okay. We'll, we'll take you back with open arms. But if you're thinking about coming, you need to make a move. Seven games left in a regular season. It, again, it's just it's incredible to think about how quickly this thing goes. It really does. And uh, really, really excited about where the ladies position themselves. But, again, with seven games to go, you start thinking it's a really good chance that we're going to finish in the top half and could potentially finish in the top four in this conference. Extremely, extremely significant. And you start, you know, start, think about this, seven games, right? I expect us to probably go six and one, maybe five and two down the stretch. I mean, just to give a little margin for error there. But you know, based on where things sit today, you'd say, you know what, state should probably go six and one. You end up twenty-five and six, and are probably in the top three in your conference. You might even be in a position to host. That's how crazy it is. Got to keep winning some ball games, but uh, exceptional effort. And I was so proud of the ladies. I know you all were as well. And it's just so entertaining of a ball game because it was so incredibly well played. And after we played Kentucky, and it was such a, it was such a, a tussle because neither team played exceptionally well. And then to go to College Station and to see a really good women's basketball game, very encouraging. And you got to know your ladies are probably gassed. Three games in a week. Big emotional win against LSU, and then you go win a game against Kentucky when you don't play well, and then you still find the intestinal fortitude to pull another road win out. That is championship caliber basketball, and that's what we have kind of come to expect here at Mississippi State on the women's side. And it's good to see our fans get the return on that investment. 
And again, congratulations to Sam Purcell and everybody involved with Mississippi State women's basketball. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair. B-L-A-I-R. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. You can entrust your mortgage to a lot of people. It's very important that you deal with somebody who knows what they're doing. Blair's got 23 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. Not just in Rankin County, not just in Tishomingo, nationally. You got an all-star available to you. Hit him up on text or call 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. I don't know your needs. Maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you're having to relocate unexpectedly. I don't know. Maybe you're looking to refinance. Maybe you need to get some cash out. Maybe you need to consolidate some debt. Blair can help you navigate through every bit of that. He will be your advocate with underwriting. He knows what's going on. He knows how to structure a loan. But here's the deal, too. If you're looking for a home, it's best to get pre-qualified so you don't go out and waste your time, your real estate agent's time, and get all fired up about a property perhaps you can't afford. Get pre-qualified because I'm telling you, real estate agents love pre-qualified borrowers. They know, you know, hey, this thing is going to close. Thus, close with Blair. Again, 601-500-2344. Blair is one of us, season ticket holder in multiple sports, has a place here in town, been doing this for a long time. Nobody stays in any industry by accident for over 20 years. There's a reason Blair Chandler is in demand. Recently made the move to Priority One Mortgage. The same level of service has followed him. Your mortgage expert, Blair Chandler. All right, today's top 10 list uh, suggested by our friend Crop Dog on Twitter. He's hit us up before, and uh, he had a rather intriguing idea, so I decided to move it up on the list. Classic rock songs that feature the flute. Yeah, you weren't expecting that today. There's a bunch of them. Now, most of these, of course, go back a few decades. So it's really more classic type rock. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, too. I think sometimes people just wanted to put a band together. Not that the flute added a ton to it. But it's like, hey, I know a guy. Yeah, so, yeah, so let's bring the flute in. But uh, interesting, interesting dynamic here. And I, it was a part of me this morning as I'm putting the list together. I've thought, isn't there a flute and dust in the wind? And there's not. You know, maybe I've heard some renditions over the years. But, uh, of course, it's just a violin. But I, I listened, and I thought about the Battle of Evermore from Led Zeppelin and Led Zeppelin Four, and uh, so I had to go and kind of do some research. But here are my top ten rock songs that feature the flute. And I did not include Men It Works, The Land Down Under, or Down Under. Probably could have, but I, I thought, you know what, let's kind of stick with our, our motif here. So some of these bands are going to be making a debut on the top 10 list which is weird to think that uh, four years into this thing that we could have some bands that have never appeared but this band has appeared before and to be honest with you when I very the first time I heard this band as a, as a kid I thought is this a joke are they like altering their voice for this one particular track because this is what they wanted but no every song from Canned Heat had the same vocal quality and it's not great. It, it sounded like a reject from Sesame Street or the Muppets. 
But they had a huge following, Canned Heat did. And it's uh, Going Up the Country, which was one of those songs, too, that was a big part of Woodstock. And the flute's a big part of that. Canned Heat. Be sure and check those guys out. Number nine, and uh, the flute was a big part of this. And I guess maybe one of the reasons that I have these guys deeper on the list, you know, is uh, out of protest for the Grammys giving Jethro Tull the award over Metallica years ago. And, of course, the next year they uh, elected to make it right and give it to Metallica, even though the album had been out for two years. And I remember Lars Ulrich stepped up and said, hey, thanks to Jethro Tull for not releasing an album this year. It was so ridiculous. We could have gone with Aqualong here, but it's kind of a creepy song. You know, I decided to go with The Whistler. Great track, kind of diverse in its instrumentation. Be sure and check that out, Jethro Tull, The Whistler. Anytime that we can get Anna Nancy Wilson on the show, it's a good thing. Heart, one of America's greatest rock bands. Incredible singer. Nancy's a good singer, too. But uh, Anne's, uh, Anne, Anne does the heavy lifting there. But uh, they had a song, kind of an, kind of experimental, I guess you'd say. Uh, it's called Sing Child. It's very different than everything else in the catalog and also features the flute. So it fits what we're shooting for here. But again, kind of a deeper track in the heart catalog. Number seven a band from across the pond. This is kind of a weird track, but I'll tell you this. The riffing on this guitar-wise is, I don't know, kind of indicative of what was to come in alternative rock. Very, very similar chord structure with all this stuff. It's a band called Focus, and the song is Hocus Pocus. I guess we're working uh, you know, with a rhyming pattern there. But uh, a very interesting song in many respects. The vocal is not a lead by any stretch. It's just kind of average. But the music and the composition of this song is really, really cool. And again, that's Focus from Hocus Pocus number seven. Number six, before you knew him as Steve Winwood, he was his lead singer in Traffic. He was still Steve Winwood then, but he was part of a band. Traffic, a lot of success too. And Steve Winwood, too. He was in Spencer Davis group and then Traffic and, and then had a very successful solo career, really more of an adult contemporary artist. But number six from Traffic is Freedom Rider. How about that? Maybe you weren't expecting that today. Number five, Joe Walsh. Joe really changed the Eagles in many respects. I think his songwriting especially gave them an edge. Things changed when Joe joined the band. The Eagles were great. They were kind of an Americana band. They were kind of like country rock. And then Joe showed up and it's like, hey guys, you guys are a rock band. Let's play rock and roll music. And things changed. Joe also, some really cool stuff uh, as a solo artist. We've uh, talked about that on the show many times. But uh, we're going to go with Days Gone By from Joe Walsh because it features the flute. Number four, a band that had some success and uh, many of you in this new generation have probably never heard of this band, and you should have. I, I don't know if they didn't have great management, or maybe perhaps they just didn't stick with it. I don't know their history. You know, I, that's just one of those things you, you know, you have all these great memories, and you hear these songs, and they evoke such, you know, nostalgia. But um, this is the band uh, Firefall we're talking about here. 
And uh, I'm going I'm to look up a little bit here, too, just because I'm, I'm curious. Now that we're here, they were an American band formed in Boulder, Colorado, of all places, which is where Mork and Mindy was filmed. Maybe you've forgotten. And uh, these guys were still touring. Yeah, how about that? Pretty incredible stuff. But uh, they broke through in 75. And the, you know, the list of, uh, of members is absolutely crazy. Crazy. And it says here that um, after a couple of years of nonstop touring, they got burned out and they just felt like their financial situation was un- untenable. And so Michael Clark had a drinking problem, missed gigs. Next thing you know, they, they broke up uh, and reunited. Pretty interesting. But uh, this is a band that uh, has some hits that maybe you're familiar with. And maybe when you hear them for the first time, in a long time, you'll say, you know, I remember these guys. And uh, they had a great track, probably their peak, was just Remember I Love You in 77. But we're going to go with uh, You Are the Woman is our number four track. That was their number, their second single released, and it rose to the top ten. You Are the Woman. And uh, when you hear it, you are be like, I've heard this before. I didn't know who sang it. It was... Firefall. And again, pretty interesting catalog for them, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, look back here. You know, they released uh, the debut album in 76, and then came back with Lunacy in 77 and in 78. So three three albums in three years. And you can see why they got a little bit burned out. And then uh, took a break for a while, got back to it. But uh, You Are the Woman That I Always Dream Of. Great, great track. Also features the flute. Number three, a guy that's got a huge following even to this day. And uh, I posted a picture of my dad a while back on a Father's Day deal, and it was kind of a pink sky behind him. And somebody says, man, it looks like a Van Morrison album cover. We're talking Van Morrison Moon Dance at number three. Most of you know him from Brown Eyed Girl. Van Morrison's a lot more than that, even though Brown Eyed Girl obviously is the signature song. Van Morrison's a guy that had a huge following during his heyday. So again, Moon Dance number three. Number two, another song that you have heard a million times, and uh, there have been some hip-hop artists that have actually sampled this, and uh, it seems like it was in a ton of movies, too. But it's Wars, Spill the Wine. That's number two for me. And again, really, really cool vibe to the song. A lot of war stuff is like that. It is. But Spill the Wine, they bring in a guest vocalist, Things are a little bit different. But number one, and this is a song that reminds me of my father-in-law, and I I told my wife that this morning as I was compiling the list. I could have gone a couple different directions here with Marshall Tucker, but we're going number one Marshall Tucker band, Heard It in a Love Song. Now, the flute obviously is a big part of this one, and the way they use it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of horns that got thrown into songs that – some producer somewhere, I don't know if they had a, a union deal or whatever and had to bring in some union musicians on some of these contracts. But um, the use of the flute makes perfect sense on this song, Heard It in a Love Song. But I remember, of course, this song was out for years and years and years before I met Dana. And I don't know, we were walking around, me and my Paul-in-law. I don't know if we were at, at uh, AutoZone. We were somewhere. And the song came on, and in my... Father-in-law is not a big singer, okay? He's not one 
but he's just going to break out into song at random times. He's not part of, uh, you know, some type of you know, traveling troop or anything like that. He's just an old good old boy from South Mississippi. But I remember this song came on and I saw him mouth the chorus. I heard it in a love song, can't be wrong. And, he, and I caught him. And he looked at me and he was almost embarrassed. And he goes, well, it's true, Steve. You hear it in a love song, can't be wrong. And so that has kind of always kind of dated that song for me. You know, because like this is a memory that I saw my father-in-law singing. And I began to think, too, Marshall Tucker was really a great southern rock band that appealed on the countryside and the rock side. It really kind of, really in many respects, kind of the first outlaw country band. One of those bands that a lot of people just kind of saw some um, some down-home southern goodness in what they did. So Marshall Tucker is number one today. Heard it in a love song. Probably their signature song. My favorite song from them is Can't You See. I think we've all lived through that. Can't you see what this woman's doing to me? True story. True, true, true. Uh, and Blackstone Cherry's cover of that is absolutely phenomenal. But uh, we're going back to the original, and we're going to Heard It in Love Song, number one. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. We'll do them. This is what we did for Crop Dog, and I believe this is his second or third list. I don't know his real name, but if he's a crop dog, I figure he's a farming dog. And it gives us an opportunity to thank America's farmers. It's a thankless job, man. Who do you think clothes and feeds us, man? It's the American farmer in every aspect. They don't get enough respect. My dad grew up on a dairy farm in Jones County, Mississippi, one of 13 kids. My dad went to work for the Farmer's Home Administration, a subsidiary of the United States Department of Agriculture, and what he could to kind of make life better for American farmers. He took care of farmers here in the state of Mississippi. That's who his people were. He went to Mississippi State, got a degree in ag economics with a minor in animal husbandry. The only job he ever had as an adult was working for the Mississippi farmer, something that makes me awfully proud. And sometimes when I'm missing him, I put on Scarecrow from John Cougar Mellencamp. I listen to that. It reminds me of my humble beginnings off Augusta Road there in Jones County, Mississippi, where it all really began. My dad used to call it the Ponderosa. But it was one of those situations where my dad wanted me to have a better life. That he had. Not that he had a bad life by any stretch. They had plenty of love. They also slept through to go to bed. He wanted better for his kids. He got an education here at Mississippi State. He loved that degree from Mississippi State as much as anything in his life because it gave him the ability to make a difference in the great state of Mississippi and in the lives of Mississippi farmers. We're just one generation removed from that in this family. And so there are so many people out there. I get messages from time to time to guys that are out there driving tractors. They listen to the show. They enjoy the boneyard because it allows them to kind of get out there and have some entertainment while they're working. I'm very honored and privileged to say that I'm a part of that. And so every one of you farming families out there, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how successful you are, no matter what you're struggling with, on behalf of, at times, a very ungrateful nation, let me say thank you for what you do for us. Really, the lifeblood of this country is the American farmer. I'm very proud to be from an ag family and represent an ag school. Do what we can uh, to bring some measure of entertainment to all of you. So thank you, as always, to the American farmer. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. You probably do already. You may already have a raving love affair with Campus Bookmark. 
It's an amazing place to do business because the selection's there, but you're also supporting a Starkville business. There's not some, you know, corporate office somewhere, you know, your money's leaving the, the area and going somewhere. That money's being reinvested oftentimes in Mississippi State. I always encourage you to shop local. I do. And uh, support a Starkville business. But Kathy Brown does such an amazing job outfitting that place with great merchandise for an amazing fan base. We love Mississippi State. We love repping the brand. We love wearing those uh, hats and shirts on vacation and somebody else comes up and they're a Mississippi State fan too. It's amazing. So find some new merchandise for you to wear or to outfit your office, your home, your, your car, whatever you need. I don't know if you need a mouse pad, if you still use that. I don't know what you do. But anything that you need Mississippi State related, Kathy Brown can get it for you. And if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a praise that pays, and that's BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's Campus Bookmart, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk about the men. It was a terrible game, and uh, there's been a very emotional reaction from our fan base. And I think it's one of those things, there's this collective realization that we're not as good as we expected to be. And that's disappointing, right? I mean, that's not to say that it's time to throw in the towel. And as bad as Saturday sucked, it's just one loss. It was an embarrassing loss. It absolutely was. And for the casual fan out there, you know, the fan that's just kind of a TV and Internet fan that uh, – you know, kind of comes to games periodically. These are the kinds of games they say, you know what, I think it's going to stay home. You know, the fence sitters, and I'm not being critical of them, I'm just kind of calling it for what it is. You know, the season ticket holders, by and large, are going to be here. But, you know, the guy that's kind of out there that's just kind of like, when we're playing well and winning big, they want to go watch us win. That guy's not going to buy the ticket and pack the car. You, you've lost that guy for now. you got to find a way to win him back. But it was brutal, man. And, uh, you know, for a, for about five minutes there, you think, okay, well, hey, we're here to play. We're, it's pretty obvious that uh, we're getting Tolu Smith involved, trying to make some things happen. That's an exciting aspect of it. You know, when Tolu's playing well, we're playing well. But, guys, it did not go well. And it did not last long. Mississippi State's momentum in this game, and it seemed like – I mean, you know, one of the tenets of the Nate Oates offense is they're going to bomb you for three, and some nights they're going to hit, and some nights they're not. But they've been hitting with much greater regularity here as of late. And they absolutely ambushed us on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we played them really well and just couldn't close at home. They learned from the game. It doesn't appear that we did. And, and I just kind of said that for what it is. I mean, that's not to be overly critical. You know, it is what it is. It was brutal, man. It was absolutely brutal. I know many of you watched that game, and uh, our Justin Frommer was there covering it along with a couple other people. And um, I'm just glad that game wasn't like a Texas A&M or something or in Gainesville. didn't take long to get home. But it's brutal, man. Absolutely brutal. Let's take a look back real quick here before we kind of move ahead. We're eager to flush that one. I know I am. I'm ready to get this thing behind us. And it's like it's so crazy. Because I think we thought we had graduated from beyond that. I mean, you're going to have an off night every once in a while. It's true. 
But, uh, guys, this was not good at, at all. At all. It's 47-24 at the break. And really the only question at halftime was, was Alabama going to get 100? And they nearly did, and they could have. It's a 99-67 game. They scored 52 points. Now, we picked it up offensively in the second half. We did. 43 points to make it look somewhat respectable. But even with that offensive output, we got outscored by nine. The problem was we were already down by 23. 13,474 showed up to watch it. Was not good. Tolo had a good game. But, again, we're just kind of struggling to find a consistent third score. Uh, Tolo, 25 minutes of action, 23 points, 7 of 13 from the free throw line and 8 of 14 from the floor. Pulled down five rebounds, had a steal. Uh, Shaquille Moore, 13 points for him. And then 10 for Sean Jones, Jr. It's pretty rare that you look up and Sean is your third leading scorer. Josh Hubbard held it as seven points. One of nine from the field. It's rough, man. And there's going to be some nights like that when Josh isn't hitting. There's going to be some nights when people are kind of saying, you know what, we're going to make some other guard beat us. And when that happens, we're in trouble. Cam Matthews, just a couple points. One of one from the field, only attempted to one shot. Went to the line three times, missed them all, pulled down six rebounds. When Cam's not going, we're not going. It's true. But I could sit here and break this game down for you, but you don't want that. I don't want to do it either. But stay 22 of 55 from the floor. Alabama was 37 of 83. Pretty nuts. They shot 44.5%. We shot 40%. We were 4 of 16 from beyond the arc. They were 15 of 48. They made all 10 of their free throws. We were 19 of 32. So we're getting to the line, just not converting. This free throw shooting thing is is an epidemic. And uh, it's one of those things you begin to look at, you begin to ask yourself, is this just kind of something we're going to have to live with? Is this just not something that Chris Jans and his staff are emphasizing? You, You know they have to be in some respects, but whatever we're doing and whatever we're trying to do, is not working when it comes to free throws. We, we are not a good free throw shooting team. And it kind of is what it is. But uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this ball game. I'm absolutely not going to do that. Because we're not going to learn anything from it. This is one of those games you just you burn the tape. You just flush it. There's no, there's no even reason to go back and watch it. And we've had some nights like that in Tuscaloosa. We have. Just something about that arena at Coleman Coliseum at times, it brings out the worst in us. It brings out the best in Alabama. And Alabama absolutely playing really well right now. It's like the people are kind of scared to believe, but they just keep winning games. And I think Nate Oates doing a good job kind of keeping a chip on their shoulder, kind of pushing ahead. All right, Bulldogs are back in action Wednesday. And we'll preview this game on Wednesday's show against Georgia. And then we go to Missouri. Mississippi State has to have a 2-0 week. Has to. Has to. And then you get a struggling Arkansas team that comes in, and then Ole Miss comes to Starkville. We're going to need you there for that one for sure. We need you there for all of them. But, again, you start breaking the season down in four-game quadrants here, and you start thinking, okay, you know, when you begin to look at this, this, this next four games, in many respects, is the defining stretch of the season. If we're going to climb back into the tournament race, you got to win these four. Now, you can't just tank the rest of them. But those 
you know, the last few games of the schedule are a little more difficult than what we got, what we're facing right now. You've, you can ill afford to drop these games. And, again, these four, you know, Ole Miss playing well. And uh, to suggest otherwise is to be disingenuous. Now, we've been really good at home. They've been poor on the road. That's a game we should be able to get. But, yeah, you got to worry about them one at a time. George is coming in. Mike White's got that team playing pretty well. We got to protect the home floor. Missouri, absolutely awful. You got to win that one. Arkansas's coming to our place, and Arkansas not playing well at all. And then Ole Miss, we got to win these next four. At the very least, we got to go three and one. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're running out of opportunities. State now 14 and eight overall. Just six games above 500. Three and six in the conference. We've lost both games last week. We're eight and two at home, zero and six away, and six and zero on neutral courts. But again, if we're going to build a postseason resume, we're going to, have to pick up some road wins somewhere. We have to. And and again, there's so many people that want to defend what's happening right now. There is no defense for what's happening right now. Period. We we, we talk about the. It's incredible from sport to sport, right? And we want to be good in men's basketball so terribly bad. And it's just like in the Ben Howland there. And there were, there were some times I just kind of washed my hands of the discussion. Because of all, the, of all the sports that I think that we struggle with objectivity, it's men's basketball. We want to be good. We do. And we have some donors out there that have taken some amazing steps to try to ensure that we're good. And that's what makes this 14-8 and eight thing seem so bad. And listen, you're going to have a night when you get whacked. Everybody does. It's just going to be some night when they, they figured something out. You're not having a good shooting night. But this season is starting to get away from us. Is it time to panic? Mm, we're getting there. It's certainly time to be concerned. That's why a 2-0 week could change a lot for this team. I don't think there's any question about it. You start dropping games you're supposed to win. You find yourself in the NIT. Simple as that. And this team is simply too talented, too experienced. And as I spoke to Bo Bounds earlier, you start looking at the portal. You know, we thought we did really well in the portal. Well, the current results would suggest we haven't. Now, Jimmy Bell, probably our greatest contributor from the portal. Keyshawn Murphy's not playing. Taylor's no longer with the team. When you start working through this, we thought we, we, we thought we had a really strong nucleus we just needed to supplement. We needed to find some perimeter shooting. Of course, Josh has brought some of that. Not enough. You know, he can't do it alone because occasionally he's going to have an off night too. And we expected, uh, you know, Murphy to be able to come in and contribute. We thought Taylor would be a great perimeter shooter for us and just hadn't worked out. And it's, we, it's, about, it's not about assigning blame. And that's the thing I think it's important. But the reality of this thing is, is this could go away from us very, very quickly. If we don't have a good week, we have got to win both games this week. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, again, you start looking at next week and you start thinking, okay, if you get these two, then you got two home games and you feel like at best you can get a split. Maybe you get them both. That can cure what ails you. The only thing that helps is winning. I mean, guys, we, we can basketball nerd ourselves into anything. And you start talking about numbers, and you talk about analytics and things like that. The only, the only analytics that truly matter are points scored and points allowed. 
Or it's like, well, hey, we're plus 18 when this kid's on the floor. And then you put him out there. And there's a reason he's not out there very often. It's about winning games. And we delude ourselves so much. And again, like the Ben Howland there, it was, it was amazing to me. We could all watch the same basketball game and, get, and watch us get absolutely destroyed in the final four minutes of a game. Watch us completely lose any semblance of rhythm or intensity game after game after game after game after game. We're like, oh, it's going to be okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because that guy was getting outcoached down the stretch in every single game. And occasionally, a player would make a big play down the stretch and kind of overcome some bad coaching. I mean, we all saw it. But because of the fact the kids are wearing maroon and white, it's like we just can't be objective. And that's the thing with this situation now. We are not where we need to be, but we can get where we want to be and where we need to be. That's why you got to flush Alabama and go get ready for Georgia. Let's take a look, you know, at kind of the week that is to be. And, again, we'll preview the Georgia game uh, on the Wednesday show. But uh, it's right to be upset. It is. It's also right to be optimistic and to hope for the best. Both of those things can be true. And I don't know if you're looking for any basketball in your life tomorrow night. Missouri is, excuse me, Ole Miss is playing at South Carolina. That could be an interesting game. South Carolina, much better. Par- uh, Lamont Paris did a great job up there. And in Kentucky at Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky should win that game handily. But um, – Let's look at the, uh, the the standings here before we get into uh, Wednesday's schedule. But Alabama, first in the SEC, 8-1. And in a surprising South Carolina team is second. Guys, South Carolina is 19-3 overall. That's who hosts Ole Miss on Tuesday. Auburn, 7-2, 18-4. And then it's Tennessee at 6-2. Ole Miss, 5-4. Kentucky, 5-4. Florida, 5-4. A&M, 4-4. LSU, 4-4. Georgia four and five, and then way down there near the bottom is Mississippi State three and six, Arkansas two and seven, Vanderbilt's one and seven, Missouri's zero and nine. So Georgia right there with us is a contemporary. They're four and five, we're three and six. They're fourteen and eight overall. So are we. We have to win that game, and then of course Missouri, the worst team in the conference with an eight and fourteen overall record, should be a chance for us to get our first road win. Got to win these two. You win these two, all of a sudden you're five and six with a couple of home games the next week. The dynamic of the season could change, and it is a long season. There's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys that show up, and maybe Keyshawn Murphy gives us a lift down the stretch. You know, he went through pregame warm-ups over the weekend against Alabama. Didn't play. But this next two weeks – is going to determine the quality of your season. Offense, and there's just no offense or buts about it. People can say what they want to. People can bury you and bore you with statistics. It's about winning games, period. And I guess you know, the thing that I hear from is that so many of I've heard from people that have been our some of our NIL contributors on basketball, very disenfranchised right now. Very, very, very disappointed. And as I've encouraged them, guys, Stansberry had some tough nights in Tuscaloosa. 
And I think, honestly, if you look at the, the situation, the Ole Miss game, and, and again, Ole Miss down the stretch played better than us. If, if you had beat, beaten Ole Miss and lost to Alabama, maybe that loss doesn't sting as bad. And it's really not just that we lost to Alabama, it's how we lost, and they could have kind of done whatever they wanted to. They just simply figured some things out against us. But if we take these next two, I think everybody's like, okay, all right, not great, but we're winning games that we should win. And all of a sudden you start thinking, hey, if, if let's say you get the next four. Let's say we get Ole Miss when they come in here. Let's say we do. All of a sudden you had those four wins in the win column. Now all of a sudden you feel very optimistic about the stretch. The problem with the stretch is those final handful of games is you're at LSU, then you got Kentucky coming in here, who is better than us. Then you got to go to Auburn, who we beat. And you got to think it's just calling us out. Do they learn exponentially? Then we go to A&M, and then we close out with South Carolina. And so there's not a gimme down the stretch. And even though LSU is just kind of middle of the pack, it's tough to go down there and play. So you win these next four. And maybe you can pull a couple out down the stretch. Maybe. You're three and six in the conference. And you're you're facing a losing SEC record right now. I think that's something we gotta learn to accept. Unless some things change. But um, again, I'm not in any way off the Christian's bandwagon. I am very frustrated with the season, especially considering the strong nucleus that we had. But we're just not as good as I expected us to be, and I think many of you probably feel the same way. Maybe you just don't have a platform to say it. I mean, I see the social media traffic. I do. But I, know we've got, I got some friends of mine that basketball is their favorite sport by far. By far. You know, like this is not what I expected to see. You know, the thing that I would counter with, did you expect us to beat Tennessee? No. Did you expect us to beat Auburn? No. This team is still capable of some very good things. It is. And we feel so down right now because you lose to Ole Miss in a game you feel like you could have gotten, and then you get embarrassed by Alabama. So it's a reminder that we're not as good as we expected to be. And that's the tough part of it. But you, you go on a little bit of a run here and set yourself up for the home stretch, you're going to feel a little bit better about it. But I'll be honest with you, my hopes of making the tournament are fading a little bit. I still think we can get there. I still think we can. But these next four games, in many respects, against against winnable games, you got to go at least three and one, and probably four and zero, oh, and you got to find a way to pull an upset off down the stretch to kind of get to where we want to be. It's very, very, very disenchanting. It is. It just. It is what it is. But the only way to work your way out of this is to win ball games. Chris Jans is an amazing basketball coach. You have talent. And maybe Keyshawn Murphy comes back and, and provides a little bit of a lift for us, gives us another option, too much like signing a free agent late. And, of course, Taylor's no longer with the team. You know, it's just – it's one of those things – there's some things that have happened. We thought we improved our talent level in the portal because of, we felt so good about the nucleus, right? We, we really felt like offseason we had taken the steps necessary to ensure that we are a definite NCAA tournament team. I don't know what's going on with Keyshawn Murphy, but he hasn't played much. Don't know all the details with Taylor, but he's gone. Jimmy Bell obviously 
did the Lord's work in non-conference while Tolu was out and really, in many respects, salvaged the season. Because I mean, when Tolu got hurt, I think we all thought, well, there goes the year. And Jimmy Bell, arguably our most valuable player doing that stretch. Absolutely amazing effort from him. And then Josh Hubbard, of course, has been Josh Hubbard. But uh, not ready to get up on a season by any stretch of imagination. But uh, it's, there's going to be ebbs and flows in our emotional investment too, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it is. It's like before you start thinking, hey, we're capable of beating anybody. After we beat Tennessee, we're like, you know what? When we play our best ball, you better bring a hard hat because we'll get after you. And the next thing you know, we go lay an egg. And that's the thing that's really been, you know, the up and down part of the Mississippi State basketball experience now for several years. It's like we just struggle to find a semblance of consistency. Down the stretch last year, Mississippi State was as good as anybody in the conference. Chris Jansen and the staff did a great job, a great job. I suspect we're going to be in a similar situation here, and and we'll probably pick off somebody else that we're not expecting. Again, we didn't expect to beat Auburn. We didn't expect to beat Tennessee as a fan base, but ultimately we did. So let's win the games that we're expected to win and see if we can't pick some people off and find our way back into the tournament. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. And their Facebook page will come up. You'll be able to take a a virtual tour in many respects and look at the pictures of all the great amenities that are available to you and those you choose to bring to town. Whether it's a a staycation, whether it's a week or weekend out with the guys or the girls or a combination of both, I don't know. Maybe it's a work trip. And you're thinking, you know what, it'd be great to have a communal area we can all just congregate and then retreat to our own sleeping quarters. It's a great opportunity for you if you're bringing a great group to the Golden Triangle. Uh, You can book through VRBO or Airbnb. It's up to you. But uh, I would suggest going to the Evolve website because we can save you some money. Promo code BSR10. BSR10. That gets you 10% off of your stay. No matter how long it is. How cool is that? BSR 10 saves you 10%. Five bedrooms, a couple bathrooms. Just, again, the wet bar, that great back porch area. You just kind of sit and recreate, just kind of take in some nature. It's quiet. It's peaceful out there. Also, that great fire pit area. You can sit around there, have an adult beverage. We just ask you to clean up after yourself. I mean, you know, come on. We're living in a civilized society here. One of the best things about it, too, is a full-service kitchen. You can go buy some groceries, buy some adult beverages, and just kind of stock the facility. For your stay rather than go out there and waste your money on leasing five hotel rooms and then having to go down there in that hotel lobby and deal with those strangers interloping in your conversation you just kind of have your people to your people right stark vegas clubhouse again book to the evolve website promo code bsr 10 just five minutes from the mississippi state campus amazing amazing facility all right, a couple more things to talk about. We did attend the scrimmages, and uh, again, we'll have one today at 3 o'clock. Uh, I, I like what I've seen. We have pitched it well here as of late, uh, this past weekend especially. I thought we were really good, uh, really like what we're seeing. And uh, defensively, again, we're really good. Nate Chester had a couple of errors over the weekend at third. Kohler had one too, uh, but, uh, you know, that's to be expected at times. But uh, Kohler has been very, very good. I think he's probably going to be our most consistent third base and we've had maybe a decade or more. Just kind of calling it as I see it. The kid's really good, makes the steady play, and occasionally makes the spectacular play. Uh, we have not talked a lot about Joe Powell. Joe Powell is a catcher that transferred in from Cincinnati, and this kid can play. He can play. Now, 
Ross Highfield expected to be the dude. No doubt about that. We're deeper a catcher than we have been. You go out and you get Jackson Owen from the junior college ranks. You have Johnny Long transfer in and now Joe Powell. And then you've got Steven Spalletta, who was a, a late addition via the regular recruiting uh, mechanisms that the National Letter of Intent affords. Guys, we went from a situation that was almost rather emergent to be in a position of strength. But Joe Powell has come in, and uh, I, to be honest with you, I think he's your number two catcher right now. I think right now. When you see him behind the plate, he does some really good things. The guys, he played a bunt yesterday or Sunday or Saturday, excuse me. A lot of people would let that thing roll foul. But he was on it so quickly, it's like, hey, it's a free out. Rather than it be a free strike, let's take the out here. And he pounced on it and turned and fired and threw an absolute bullet to first base. Got the runner by a couple of steps. And Ross Highfield was a guy that's a competitor. And I think bringing in some competition is good. I mean, Ross is our guy. But it also gives us, number one, an insurance policy. You know, it's hot sometimes. you got these doubleheaders occasionally. and It's nice to have another guy out there. But Powell is a guy that obviously has come in here and has really, I think, elevated the group. You know, Jackson Owen, of course, a junior college guy. There's going to be an acclamation to, you know, Division One pitching. That's what you see. Johnny Long is a career reserve guy. Spilett is a freshman. And Spilett is a guy that can help you at third and other places too, right? It's true. And you need his bat and lineup at some point. But Powell, I think, in many respects, is a bit of an X factor for us. Especially, you know, we asked a lot of Ross Highfield last year. We did as a freshman. We asked a ton of him. And now you can give him a day off and not really have a step back when it comes to the talent level. I think Powell defensively is really, really good. Really good. And so, again, remember last year, Heifel was the guy, and then you had a couple freshman guys behind him that said, you know what, hey, Ross has earned this job. I'm going to go get the portal. They're all playing junior college ball now, and you bring in Jackson Owen, and you start thinking, well, man, what if we have an injury? Now all of a sudden you look is we're, you know, 10 days away or 12 days away from college baseball, and you begin to realize that, We've done a really good job retooling that position group. Kyle Cheeseburg's done a great job there. Uh, Aaron Downs is playing some for us over at first, and he's, he's good. It's not a natural position for him, and there are some times that, that things aren't quite what you want them to be. Uh, Hunter Hines is not an elite defensive first baseman, but he is one of the best, biggest bats in the country. I think he's made some advancements there. One of the things that uh, I've noticed, you know, Hunter's got a stretch. You know, that's one of the things at times that you can steal an out. You've got to get comfortable over there at first base, being able to kind of stretch out there and and save a half a step at times. Because every play at first is bang, bang. I mean, you know, baseball, when you look at baseball, at its core, baseball is a right-to-left game. And it's a game where it's nearly a perfect game where the hitter and the defender has an almost equal chance. But if you look, every play at first is always like a step or two. Like a guy beats it by a step or he gets beat by a step or two. And so when you can save a half step, when you can, you know, find a way to aid your, uh, your defenders by making that bang-bang play a little more bang-bang in your direction, that's a big part of it. But um, I'm interested to see, too, Dylan Cup. I know many of you were concerned. He got hit in the head a couple weekends ago, but he's fine. He's back out there playing 
the bat is a little farther along than we expected it to be. Defensively, he is everything that everybody told me he would be and more. This guy is a legit major league prospect at short. We'll see what happens in his development offensively, but he is ahead of where people told me he was with the bat. That's talking to some MLB scouts out there. People are like, you know, this guy's an elite defender. The bat is lagging a little bit. It's been good. Not great, but it's been good. He's competitive up there, puts the ball in play. Uh, I'm very, very excited about him. And I think that whole little that trio of him and Mershon and Imani Larry, it, opening day, I think Mershon starts at short and Larry at second. But you could see a scenario where Larry DHs and maybe Mershon slides to second. We haven't run a lot of David Mershon at second in, in, in practices. Ethan Pulliam has played a lot at second. And Ethan's a guy, too. Ethan played soccer with Ian, my youngest, when we got here. And I said then, I remember talking to Chris's dad, I said, you know what, he needs to go to juniors, he needs to have a chance, this guy could be a U.S. men's national team member in soccer. And everybody told me, well, baseball is kind of his sport, and then what does he do? He leads the state in punting. He's a phenomenal athlete. And I think most people expected Ethan to be a redshirt guy this year, but he has been phenomenal, to quote Ben Howen, uh, in fall ball and in spring ball. Ethan Pulliam is going to be able to help his team this year, and I expect him uh, to get some playing time. And that's important, too, because you begin to think about Imani Larry being a super senior. You need to let Pulliam get some work. And maybe that's in the midweek. Maybe that's later innings. I, I don't know. But Ethan Pulliam needs to get some experience because there's a good chance he's going to be your starting second baseman next year. He's going to play somewhere. Let him get some at-bats now. The outfield is set, and uh, Connor Isaac had kind of laid out and had kind of a – it was kind of wet, you know, but he had a um, play out in center. He kind of got up and limped away from but he was fine a little bit later. But uh, it just kind of goes to show you the level of which the intensity he plays with. But, again, I think we're set. Bryce Chance, Connor Isaac, and Dakota Jordan. But uh, Jackson McKenzie is a guy we didn't see a lot of in the fall because he was recovering from a, a minor surgical procedure. But this is a guy that we expect to really help us this year. He could be the fourth outfielder. He could be a guy that DHs a ton. Luke Dodson, another two-way player. Guy's really, really good. And we don't really factor him in a lot in our discussions about pitching. And then all of a sudden you go to a scrimmage and you see him up there barking on the mound. And that breaking ball's got some real bite to it. And uh, I remember, you know, talking to Chris Simonis after the draft and saying that you know, Luke Dotson got some calls and there were a lot of people that were interested in him, but he wanted to come to school. We've recruited well. We have. And, I, I, again, it's, there's only so much you can see at a perfect game showcase, right? I, I've been to those events and I can tell you that it's like a cattle call and you get out there and, you know, maybe a kid's not ready. And, you know, it's just there's only so much you can see. But I know what I've seen on the field. And I know what I've seen uh, from these newcomers. And it's not just adding a couple of portal guys that are going to help us. It's some of these newcomers. And that's a really good thing for us because it means maybe we're not so relying on the portal next year. But everywhere I go, uh, let's see, Friday night. Was it Friday night? Friday night? Yeah, Friday night? Well, Friday or Saturday, whatever. I, I lose track. Uh, my buddy Brian Jones, who was a former lead singer Lillian Axe, played Hobie's. You can catch Brian all over the state of Mississippi playing regularly, uh, doing the one-man show thing. And um, and so I got up on stage and uh, did a couple tracks with Brian. He, he was ill-prepared, even though we had discussed doing Hunger Strike together, which we did. He didn't bring a second mic, so we had to 
lean in. It was anyway. We made it work. Uh, but after that's over with, Brian and I are outside kind of talking. A couple guys come up. They're Boneyard listeners and Twitter followers, college kids. And, and it's the same question. No matter which venue I'm at, Steve, tell me how good we're going to be in baseball because we want to be good in baseball so bad again because it's been something we could always count on. The last two years have taken a real toll on this fan base. And I wrote about this last week. I don't know if you guys know this. As bad as it was last year, do you know that we had three of the top ten crowds in the history of college baseball? Yeah. Set the NCAA attendance record last year, obviously, on the Saturday of Super Bulldog weekend. The Friday game was also a top ten crowd, and then the Saturday game against Arizona State was a top ten crowd. So three of the top ten crowds in the history of college baseball on campus happened last year at Mississippi State. So there's no discussion to be had about fan support. And it's the same that we can say on the men's basketball side. For years and years and years, it always lagged and lagged and lagged. And whether it's the renovation or your belief in Christians and this group, you know, we're selling out Saturdays regularly now. That's an important part of this. This fan base, I'm not going to listen to any slander of the Mississippi State fan base. Now, we got some people out there at times. We Listen, nobody's got the corner of the market on crummy people. We got some state fans sometimes, too, that need to sit down. Okay, we do. I love them, but they need to sit down. A lot of people with some very strong opinions, not rooted in facts, but all that understood, we show up at the ballpark. Baseball, men's basketball, you're seeing it on the women's side again too. Football. We had some big crowds in football this year. And down the stretch, maybe not the ones that we wanted to. But I'm not going to listen to anybody talk about Mississippi State fans haven't been committed. We have been. We're seeing a greater commitment from our fans we've ever seen in the history of our programs. And we're asking them to do more and more and more. We're asking them to pay for seat licensing. We're asking them to pay for NIL stuff. We're asking them to give to the Bulldog Club. And maybe if you can afford to on the academic side. And then buy season tickets. And we want you to upgrade. We're asking more and more and more. And you guys continue to answer the call. It's true. And so whatever happens over the course of the next two years, I know that you guys are going to be there. I know this. And uh, this weekend when I'm walking in, it's move-in weekend. And there's so many of my friends that I only see here. And there's some friends that I only see at Duty Noble Field. Because it is so social out there, right? And and it's a rare thing that I get a chance to get out there and just go visit with you guys. But, uh, you know, I hear the drills out there turning. And I see people positioning a grill and, you know, people bringing in their seating and and it reminds me of how special a thing we have here. It really does. And uh, the, the demand for season tickets for baseball has never been higher. And we've had two subpar seasons. And the reason that waiting list hasn't changed much is because of the fact that you know we're going to be back. And I think we're going to take a big step back forward this year. Maybe that's confusing. We're going to take a step back to where we want and traditionally have been this year. I give Justin Parker a lot of credit. I give Chris Lamonis and the staff a lot of credit for landing Justin Parker. Again, we discussed this on the show before. I remember people telling me Justin Parker's not going to make a move. And then the last weekend before things really began to ramp up, I had somebody tell me, somebody in college baseball circles, and said, you know what? I wouldn't count out Justin Parker just yet. We pivoted, went back to him, 
And he was absolutely, in my estimation, the best pitching coach we could have gotten. I mean, that's not me hyping him up. You saw what he did last year at South Carolina. Do you have any stars they had on that South Carolina pitching staff last year? Let me go ahead and tell you, none. None. They had some good pitchers. Don't get me wrong. They didn't have any stars. They didn't have a Paul Skeens. They, they didn't have a Kumar Rocker. They didn't have that guy that was like, oh, well, this is the guy. They kind of dated by committee. And just uh, a couple days ago, or just a week ago, Justin Parker was on uh, Brian's show with uh, Super Talk, uh, the live show. And Justin Parker said this is the most talented pitching staff he's ever had. Now, being around Justin Parker, he's not going to tell you that if he didn't believe it. He's not going to go out there and build up some unfair expectations of the kids. How many coaches have you been around? It's like, oh, no, no, keep expectations low. We want to over-deliver, right? We don't want to set a high bar for ourselves and underachieve. And everybody's like, well, hey, you said this. Justin Parker is not that kind of dude that's going to go out there and be like the whole Emory Ballard thing. We're going to win the SEC this year. That's not who he is. But he's making a difference on this team. And Chris Simonis kind of had his back to the wall, and a lot of people wondered, what quality of pitching coach can we get? And Lamontis went out there and got one of the best in the game. And a guy that knows us, a guy that scouted us last year, then he brings that information with him here and tells Jay Gotro, hey, here's how we pitched you and why. And he tells our hitters, here's what we're thinking and why. It's an incredible situation that's happened with Justin Parker. Now we got to do it on the field. And I'm still concerned about the back end. I got to we got to figure this thing out. Who when it's when it's four to three and a runner at second and nobody out in the ninth inning, who do we call on? That's probably the one big question mark that I have. There is no Landon Sims on this team. There's no Jonathan Holder. There's not. There's no Pete Young. We don't have that guy. At least he hadn't emerged yet. But you know, people forget. It took a while for Landon to kind of take that role too we thought he'd be a long reliever remember what he did at texas you know and all of a sudden he becomes the still of the night guy that turned all you on to white snake made that a part of your everyday playlist but that's the big concern for me so again scrimmage the day at three i'll be there i can't wait to get back out there and the next thing you know guys we're gonna play some real baseball play for real it's important i understand that it's that close I feel good about our lineup. I feel great about our defense. And I'm very optimistic about the pitching side of things. Not just because we have depth, not because we went out and got a couple power five guys in the portal, but is that I see Justin Parker's plan taking root. I see Nate Dome out there with a much smoother, even delivery. And I think there's even more bite on that slider, which is crazy to think about. And, again, you talk about – think about last year, the dynamics of pitching, right? And this is not a criticism of Ross Heifel. But Ross is a freshman last year. Ross is a guy that had some defensive issues early on. We had some pass balls, right? And, but by the end of the year, Ross was electric. A pitcher's got to have confidence in his catcher. Luke Alexander, of course, caught some for us last year. Luke had some issues. Watch and see how much better your pitching gets 
now that Highfill has a year of SEC experience under his belt, and then you bring in Joe Powell and and Long, of course, that have Power 5 experience, you're going to have a lot more confidence in your catchers. And it's one of those things, so you ask a pitcher that in an interview, well, of course they're going to tell you yes. Well, yeah, I got a lot of confidence in these guys. But watch and see how the pitching improves when you know that you have a guy that you can drop an Uncle Charlie in the dirt on one and two and a runner at third, and he didn't have to worry about covering home because your guy can block it up. There's baseball. There's always going to be things that get away. But one of the nuances of the game is that we talk about how hard it is on a pitcher when he has no confidence in his defense. It's probably ten times more important that he have confidence in his catcher. Because all of a sudden you don't have confidence in your catcher. Well, you can't really let it go. You can't really throw that big body and breaking ball because you're afraid all you're going to do is have a pass ball or a wild pitch. So you don't have any confidence in that pitch. You can't really trust it. Well, then all of a sudden you're catching a little bit more of the plate. you got a leaky defense behind you. And so in many respects, what we put our pitchers through last year, in many respects, I probably gave them PS, uh, what's it called, PSTD? Post-traumatic or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm not in any way trying to, to minimize that. But my point being is that you bring in a pitching coach that has a different approach to movement and to mentality. You shore up your catchers, and then you shore up your defense behind them. Your pitchers are going to be able to pitch with a, lot greater, a greater sense of confidence because they're going to have greater confidence in the people around them. They're going to have greater confidence in their own stuff because of the fact they've done the work to get down the slope, to have greater extension, to fine-tune some mechanics. Things are on the uptick. That's how it feels, and that's how it looks. That's how it appears. And now we got to go do it for real. And uh, we'll talk a lot about baseball next week. We'll start previewing some of these uh, weekend series. And there's a lot that's happening. A lot that's happening. But I think it's important to kind of understand the dynamics of the battery and how all that impacts each other. And I was the guy that was a catcher. And I can tell you, you know, I love catching. But one of the things that I have learned, you know, like people forget Dustin Skelton had these same issues. When Dustin Skelton was a freshman, you know, he he was so talented, we had to have him out there. But there were so many times he had never caught an SEC breaking ball. And until you've done that, you don't know if you can do it. No, nobody is throwing 3,000 RPMs in high school. And if they are, it's, it's, it's a rarity. You're not having to deal with that. It's a new animal. But once you get in college, all of a sudden, you've got to break that ball up. You've got to be able to get in front of it and take it off the chest. And until you've done that, you don't know what you have in a catcher. And that's what you saw with Ross last year. Early on, we struggled a little bit. By the end of the year, it's like, hey, this is our guy, Right. He began to realize his potential. He's going to be that much better for it this year. But now you don't have to have that learning curve because you've got so much veteran, you got so much veteran presence is on the catchers now. That's in the amazing part of this. And everybody benefits from that. The pitchers especially benefit from it. The defenders especially benefit from it. There's nothing more frustrating when you're sitting out there playing defense, and all of a sudden it's a wild pitch or a pass ball, and, and all of a sudden you got to go cover a bag, and there's a wild throw, and it gets loose, so we're just giving a runaway. Everybody gets better. Everybody with better catching. Everybody. And, and you'll see it this year. 
If you hadn't done so, go to WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You get the brand new book, When the Bottom Falls. And uh, if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. It's not a vanity project by any stretch of the imagination. It's something that I believe can help everybody. Uh, something very personal to me. All my sports titles are also there at When the Bottom Falls. You can also order Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dog Pile. And every Bulldog fan needs a copy of Dog Pile, period. And then uh, Stark Villains gear available at StarkVillains.com. Before we get out of here, too, today only, 75% off an annual subscription to JeansPage.com. We'll have another special for you tomorrow, but it won't be as special as today. So act today, 75% off at Jeans Page, off your annual subscription. That'll get you through baseball, get you through summer camps, get you all the way into uh, football and everything else. Be sure and take advantage of that special today. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.